Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. For multiple bonus shows per week and access to our full podcast archive featuring in-depth interviews, movie commentaries, and live shows, please check out the Steel Wars Patreon podcast feed. The content club level is just $3 a month and is chock full of Star Wars fun and really helps the ongoing production of the show. All the bonus shows download into your podcast app like any other show. Give a month a try at patreon.com forward slash Wars. Link is in this episode's show notes. And if you do, hit us up for a question for the weekly Patreon Q&A. And now, on with the show. I really hope you enjoy it. While Star Wars fans the world over dream of one day visiting Disney's Galaxy's Edge, Entertainment Weekly's Anthony Bresnikan has already been there. The Brez returns to the podcast to not only go over the details he learned about the park, but also tell us about the actual experience he had on the day. And we were walking through mud and mounds of dirt, and there were tractors rolling around, swinging their, you know, uh, there were loaders, you know, forklifts and things, swinging their payloads around, and you actually had to be careful. We had to signal for a couple things, machines to stop so we could walk by, like, oh, yeah damn, we are actually in a construction zone. This isn't just like, oh, it's all finished, but you got to wear a hard hat. No, I'm wearing a hard hat because uh, somebody three stories up might uh, accidentally drop a screwdriver off of this uh, spire. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was actually pretty gnarly. Uh, the, you know, the most finished thing I saw was the interior of the, uh, the Millennium Falcon ride, um, the line going inside to the flight deck and all that. Um, that was for the most part, done being built. They had cardboard down the carpet because that's the final carpet. They don't want work boots tromping it up. You know, but the most of it outside was pretty raw. And I was like, oh my God, they're not going to be done in time for the start of summer. And then, of course, two weeks later, they say, uh, <laughs> we're opening, you know, was it May 31st? This is Steel Wars episode 201, Anthony Bresnikan reporting back from Galaxy's Edge. Hey guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we talk to someone of interest about it. And this week I'm overjoyed that we are reunited with one of our favourite guests. It is from Entertainment Weekly, the Brez himself, Anthony Bresnikan. How are you doing, Anthony? I'm doing great, man. I just got back from Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> Which I think has something to do with why you want to talk to me. That is. Well, I don't think you just got back. I, I, I just, I, you know, I, I want to have full disclosure because people will be very angry with me that I recorded this episode with you three weeks ago and didn't put it up. So uh, I, I, I just, this is, you're a couple of weeks, but is, is that all you, you're thinking about now? Is that how impactful Galaxy's Edge was that you're just in a permanent state of just got back? Steel. Once you've been to Galaxy's Edge... Oh, here we go. You never really leave. 
<laughs> so are you saying it's like the Overlook Hotel <laughs> that, that as we speak down in Anaheim in this 14 acre theme park land there is a piece of Anthony Bresnikan somewhere no I'm saying you take it with it never leaves you you're just ah, it haunts you you're, it's okay. a part of you from that point forward you're a part of the Star Wars story excellent Oh my God, this is some hard sizzle, Anthony. All right, let's. I, I'm, I'm sure by now people have you had a, um, a, a I don't know, a 37 part article on Entertainment Weekly, and we, we, yeah. we always, I've, I've complimented you on this many times. You always go above and beyond with the information that you're given, and um, and milk it, uh, and I mean that in a, in a good way, not in a um, I milk it like a thala siren. Yeah, yeah, it's just some, it's just. <laughs> Green Bresnikan milk all over my screen. It's <laughs> mm, it's good. It's good milk. <laughs> Just wiping my mouth now. Um, yeah. So you, you, people, uh, I, I'm sure checked out the uh, EW articles about all that. But I sort of want to go more into the, the Bresnikan experience of, of going. And let, let's go back to day one. And when did you get the call? Like, how did you find out well, that this trip was going down? Uh, I've been talking with the Disney parks people for a while, you know, a few months back I did a, like a reveal of, uh, John Williams doing the music that you'll hear in galaxy's edge. And we had a couple of video clips. It was kind of funny because they brought a handful of reporters along for this and they were showing them video clips that they'd created, you know, the start of the millennium Falcon ride and some footage from within rise of the resistance. I was like, well, you know seen these we we premiered these at entertainment weekly so um that was kind of neat but uh so i've been in uh kind of constant contact with the disney parks people but i would say maybe about a two months ago they were uh reaching out to see if i wanted to be part of this uh tour they were doing and uh you know to be honest still a lot of times it's uh when you write about these things you're thinking like well uh, what can I do for exclusivity? You know, what makes people want to go to Entertainment Weekly as opposed to reading the same story somewhere else, you know? And so I don't always want to be a part of a group. But if a group's going somewhere, it's better to be a part of that group than not, right? Mm -hmm. That's So, you know, I figured we'll take a roll of the dice. And I, I understand why this is such a big, expansive uh, sort of... Uh, Know, the explanation or showcase that they would want to, you know, not just do it for one person, but bring a number of different people along. And there were people who were interested in things from a technology standpoint, you know, writers who were there and they weren't less interested in the Star Wars mythology and more interested in the uh, the tech that went into the animatronics with the, the, the actual design of the land, the tools they used to design it and create it. Some people were more interested in it coming from a amusement parks perspective. There were quite a few amusement park journalists there who their whole thing is covering rides and food and theme parks and uh, star wars is uh, just a part of that you know so we uh, and then there were people like jermaine lucier and uh, amy ratcliffe and clayton sandell who are hardcore star wars nuts and uh you know we're all covering we're all looking at asking you know similar questions but then the challenge is in writing it up in a way that does make people say well i better i want to read this version of the story you know and and those other guys uh 
and girls did uh, some pieces that made me go, oh, that's an interesting perspective. I, I wish I'd thought of that or uh, just happy to read that. Uh, but we all try and do our own take, and uh, thankfully there's room enough at the table for everybody. Jermaine's article about it was very interesting because it mainly focused on how annoying it was that during the video presentation, the guy next to him kept saying, I premiered that on my website. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. It was on my website. I wonder who that guy was. But he was devilishly handsome. <laughs> I've actually people people come to me with their Anthony Bresnikan questions, and um, I, I'm some sort of like I don't I feel like I'm Commissioner Gordon that I can I can summon the Bresnikan when I put up the Bresnikan symbol. So people come, to, but you're getting a lot of compliments on that hair. It's it's a a pretty slick looking Bresnikan in that video clip. Cool. Well, I've paid good money for that hair. Have it have to have it glued to my head each morning. So. Uh... I'm really relieved to hear that. All right, well. God, did that sound terrible? When I was like boasting about having those videos first. No, uh, I, no. we got to edit that out. No, no this is I, just. I can't sound. I can't. I can't sound like an arrogant ass. I got to no, just be a normal ass. Bresnikan, you are. <laughs> You are annoyingly humble. It, it, it's, it's upsetting. It, it, that's just you're just again falling for me, twisting your words into something that they're not. So I think the audience can um, work that out. The uh, so on the day, what, yeah. what goes on? You, you get so like a you, you drive down there in the Bresmobile. The Mickey Mouse picks you up. What, what's going on? Well, I like I usually pilot the Entertainment Weekly dirigible uh, <laughs> when I make long distance trips like that. It's a uh, not the fastest way to travel, but certainly comfort and a little bit of Art Deco style. I uh, No, it, it began with a, a trip to San Francisco. So flew up there and uh, visited the, Dude, the Lucasfilm. I was going to say, uh, you have to use Google Maps. That is not the way to Disneyland at all. <laughs> Took the long way. <laughs> Anaheim by way of uh, San Francisco. We flew up there and, uh, you know, that was to talk to a lot of the people who were uh, focused on the story. You know, and, I, and and that was also one of the most interesting things to me is Endeavor occurred to me or really drove home, I, I guess I would say, why it's called Galaxy's Edge as opposed to Star Wars Batu or Star Wars Black Spire Outpost. Like, why don't they call it the name of the place, right? Batu, a Star Wars theme park. Well, whatever, Pandora. I mean, I guess that's a little more mellifluous or what have you, but... Uh, uh, the reason they don't is because they don't call it uh, Star Wars Tatooine. You know, it's not Star Wars Jakku. Uh, Galaxy's Edge is the story that you're a part of. The First Order has come to this place. The Resistance is hiding in the woods outside of town. You got your shops and your creatures there who are merchants and your junk dealer who, or your your lightsaber maker who's posing as a junk dealer. Um. And you're a part of this story, you know, this crossroads where both sides are meeting, uh, sort of like Casablanca in World War II, you know, this sort of nexus point uh, between the front lines and the various countries that have a stake in this battle. And um, uh, that's the thing. That's what you're a part of. That's why it's called Galaxy's Edge. And uh, like that could be the title of a movie or a TV show. And uh, and that's what you're a part of. You're there. As a participant, uh, you're meant to role play, meant to imagine yourself in this world and everything from the food to the products is something you could buy in the galaxy. So you can't buy Hasbro action figures there. 
you can buy dolls that are handmade, sort of like uh, Ray has in her her fallen at shelter. You know, she makes those crude little dolls. Or the remember the white stormtrooper that uh, the Jin Erso has that she drops. Uh, I have been waiting for those sort of toys to come out desperately. They're so they're like the the those toys that you can get from the uh, the market stall. They look really cool. I am wondering though. What's the explanation that this shop on uh, Batu has got like teddy bears of Yoda, a Porg, Ray, Finn, Kylo Ren? Like, uh, are these all famous people in Batu? What's going on there? Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. What do we what do we have uh, as our action figures as our toys? Back in the day, you'd have a GI Joe, Barbie, right? Uh, I think what do they call him in Australia? Action Man. Oh, that's very, very good toy knowledge, uh, Anthony. Right? I'm impressed. So um, you have these characters uh, back in the '60s that were, you know, just based on this is a U.S. Marine, this is a, a Navy sailor, this is a Air Force captain. So these are heroes of the Resistance, right? Or heroes of the Republic, and. Uh, you know, similar. I don't know if like uh, did kids after the Revolutionary War have little stuffed George Washingtons? I don't know. Did they have? They had toy soldiers, though, didn't they? So the very concept of a toy soldier is what you're seeing in these uh, toys that they have at uh, uh, Black Spire Outpost. All right, I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. <laughs> now, after um, you know, obviously you've you've talked to the 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 story group that you know came up with the story and the imagineers and stuff and and i think when we first heard about a disney star wars land like most people went immediately to like oh you got to have a speeder bike ride and an x-wing thing and a, a death star trench ride you know like to you can relive the things that you saw in the movies it's pretty bold that they went with this like totally new, like sort of storytelling device. Uh, are you completely sold that that was the right way to go? Yeah, I think it's a lot cooler. Uh, the question will be how you sustain it over decades, right? Mm-hmm. So the Indiana Jones ride is what, like something like 25 years old. 25 years young. Yeah, well, it hasn't, hasn't changed that much, you know? Uh and uh, maybe they upgrade this or that or, uh, you know, rehab it a little or add some, some of their new device. But the basics of the story that you experience are still the same. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you, when you build these things, you got to expect we are not going to be changing it for about 30-some years, if then. So uh, given that this takes place at a certain period of time between Last Jedi and Episode Nine. Uh, and you're just existing as a chapter in that story as a guest, That's, uh, I think it's an interesting device. Better than you walk in and, you know, you just buy your Darth Vader sippy cup and you uh, get on the, the, the Dumbo, ver- the Yoda version of the Dumbo ride, you know, <laughs> where he flies around with big ears. Like, rather than have that, you're, you're getting a different... Uh, a, a different kind of amusement, a chance to play as part of this world. And, and I was saying on my own radio show that I felt like I didn't feel like I was part of the Star Wars universe. 
I felt like I was an action figure in this big playset. That's what it felt like to me. Like if if you could shrink down and become part of Toy Story, but with your your Star Wars action figures, that's how it felt, you know. Because you never lose, you, you know, you know, unless you're, a, you know, you have some issues to telling the difference between fact and fiction. You're never like I'm actually in Star Wars. You don't lose yourself in that way. It's more like I'm being a kid and saying I'm Han Solo. You're Chewbacca. This neighborhood is uh, the Green Moon of Endor. Let's go fight some imaginary stormtroopers. You know, imagination is still a factor in your ability to enjoy Galaxy's Edge, which uh, really is how it should be, right? Like it just took me back to being a kid, eight years old. Best friend was Joey Mitchell. Taller than me, stronger than me. Mom would make his mom made a Chewbacca suit for him for Halloween that was like real fur and it had like a, a head that kind of fit on some sort of plastic neck. It would go over his and he'd zip up and we'd be running around in the summertime in Pittsburgh just like uh, I have like a black vest on, probably like my first communion vest or something. <laughs> And uh, my Han Solo brand Hasbro blaster, or I guess it would have been Kenner blaster back in those days. Um, and then he'd be like sweating. He'd take that head off and just be like like he was in a sauna because <laughs> um, it was 1,000 degrees in there. But, man, those were the best. We it's had like... some video game. I wish I could remember the name of it where it was like the, the point of view of a, of a starship and there's just little white dots coming at the screen. You'd warp around and have to battle like a – a ship every now and then. We pretended like my basement was the Millennium Falcon and we're flying. We would warp this thing and, you know, do that kind of hyperspace thing where the stars streak out across the screen. And we would pretend that was the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. And, and, and now you get to do that and just, just the tech is better, you know? And as an adult, you're given license to enjoy some make-believe. So I really, I really love that they didn't just go with Star Wars-themed Disneyland. Yeah, just okay. Instead, I, I... Uh, I, I love the thought of um, when Joey took his mask off and, and you as Han Solo said, Chewie, we're dehydrated. Yeah, just just the sweat pouring out of him like he was in an aquarium or something. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm very um, – I'm enthralled with the thought that you're an action figure, Anthony. I, I'm going to get on eBay mm-hmm. and look for a vinyl cape to Bresnikan after this. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I want to be. Now, um, talk about the actual day that you got to go. All right, so day one was at Lucasfilm. Day two was actually here in L.A., uh, where I live, in Glendale, where the uh, Imagineering warehouses and offices are. And they were showing us, like, the Hondo uh, Onaka animatronic that greets you as part and introduces you to the mission of uh, the Smuggler's Run ride. And then I saw, like, the Dakondar... Ithorian alien, which was really cool, man. I didn't know those things talked out of the sides of their mouth. So I'm learning stuff here, you know? Has there been any footage of the Ithorian, which which I guess um, no. the more rudimentary uh, Star Wars fan would know as a hammerhead? Um, I love that hammerhead has become a slur. Like, that's a slur for the Ithorian. Uh, yeah, let's get uh, those hammerheads out of there. Like, uh, dude, you know. All, all those Kenner action figures were slurs. Squid face, snaggletooth. It's like, like sand person. Um, yeah, it's 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 no good. Walrus man, Greedo. <laughs> well, Greedo was his real name, right? Was it though? 
<laughs> you know, you, you, you've been trying to convince me the Brez isn't your real name for years now. <laughs> Greedo. I love Greedo. So, so, oh. so you got to see an animatronic Athorian. Yeah. Did you know that they don't have, like, front-facing mouths like you and I? Hmm, I, I think... The, they have, like, it's like two mouths on either side of the hammerhead. What language do they speak? Some sort of, you know, blah, 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 blah. Gotcha. <laughs> it's not, it's a blah, 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 blah kind of language. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, they speak their own native tongue. Partly because their mouths are like, it's like uh, two harmonicas taped to your neck. <laughs> they talk out of the neck and they have these two mouths that open and they have these little ridges inside. They're not teeth, they're connected. But that's how they yeah. jibber jabber. So and uh, and it's got a real deep low voice and is you know seven eight nine feet tall something like that oof. hard to tell because yeah it's only the top half of it you know and it was sitting down on the floor so he might be taller once he's uh, actually plugged into the shop but uh, pretty neat man it really looked cool the um the the Hondo one was like f- freakish it was like a, a a nightmare character like it was just weird to see this ca- cartoon it, character in real life yeah made to look real i mean he looks i kept like seeing him out of the corner of my eye as our group was doing the tour and like he's moving and talking and i'm like uh, your brain is registering that as a person you know yeah yeah, yeah. And like you keep like wait, that is, wait, just the smoothness of the movements is really re- remarkable. So why would they? Uh, I'm not sure if you got info on this. Go with the animatronic guy instead of just dressing someone up that can be a bit more interactive. I, I kind of wondered that, but I, I didn't really ask. I think it's uh, part of it's the wonder. If I were to guess, mm. neat to make it. Also, just to have the guy there doing the same line. A thousand times a day, maybe that uh, causes mental health issues for a human being, you know. <laughs> and that voice is pretty hard to do as well, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, you got to do the voice. I mean, I guess you, you could, but in the end, maybe that would be more expensive, hiring somebody to do that and keep it moving and uh, do it again and again and again and again. Uh, I do think that would, I do think that would be maddening. It's one thing to do like three shows a day, but imagine having to do hundreds. Like, yeah, I I, I do like the alternate uh, timeline where you went to a a warehouse somewhere in California and there was just like this guy training to say the same line over and over again. Yeah, I mean it's not just one line; it's like a whole spiel he does to explain like what he's up to, what he needs from you. You know, so, yeah, I think it's probably just a little easier to have a robot do that, you know. Same as, you know, they have uh, Patrick Warburton doing the uh, introduction to Soarin' Over California. You could have a human do that, too, but just, you know, just have this guy do it. <laughs> do it once, Get and then we'll record it. Yeah, so that's my guess. Oh, what other sweet stuff did you see at that Imagineering warehouse? DJ Rex, that's the robot from the old Star Tours ride who is now, uh, he wasn't a very good pilot, so he's become a musician. No, but that, that's, I like that real world thing because I have so many friends that, you know, they just got over doing whatever they were doing and then decided I'm becoming a DJ. 
That is yeah. that is very um, true to life. So I appreciate it's good fall that. back. Yeah. Hey, after you crash a ship as a pilot, <laughs> you're not really going to be trusted anymore. So uh, may as well pursue that uh, rock star dream. You know. Yeah, and that was uh, he's getting voiced again by Paul Rubens. Yeah, Pee Wee Herman. I think so. Yes. Yeah. They went back to the original voice on Nine Numbed for the uh, Rise of the Resistance ride. So. Yeah, anytime they could uh, conjure up the real person to voice it, they did that. Ah, so there was an animatronic Nine Numb, yeah? Yes. How did that look? Because that's something that you've actually seen, you know, in a couple of movies. Look pretty good. He's he's piloting a ship, so he's kind of like turning around and talking to you. I don't think he was fully operational, maybe a little bit, when we saw him. Because that ride wasn't up and running 100%. Uh, Anthony, so, don't you know anything about Star Wars? Never trust anyone when they say something's not fully operational. <laughs> exactly, yeah. In this case, it actually wasn't because they would open it up and all right, everybody get in. All right, and then it rolls around and they would describe what happens. It's like, okay, now get out and walk through the ride. So there were not, uh, there were actually people there hammering boards and drilling things and uh, laying pipe. So it actually was not running <laughs> i'm pretty sure i take their word for it so, so, so then we do that and also at imagineering they took us through a lot of the technology they use like virtual reality to figure out the lay of the land and uh you know that was fine uh it probably been more interesting if i was writing about tech mm-hmm. but uh it was neat neat to see neat to see that designers can go uh, i'm working here at imagineering i'm not driving down to anaheim i just want to go walk through the park Let's go into this room where we, you know, conjure up reality and uh, a digital version of it. I'm just going to walk through and then see what it's like if we move this mountain over here. Um, that kind of thing's kind of cool. And then in 10 years' time, when they're too lazy to go over to the virtual reality machine, they can mm-hmm. just do it from home. Exactly. Hmm. So then after that, uh, next day, down in Anaheim, First part of the day is uh, eating the foods and okay, drinking no, no, no. the I, beer. I, I, I need more detail than that, Anthony. I, I like you're there. You're you're a special media guest. Do you just yeah. go through the front door? Is there a side door? Is there a tunnel? Are you going past Walt's frozen head? Come on, give me no, details. You're, you're on a we're a little on a little in a van of sorts, just driving through. You go through like a. Looks like a delivery entrance. Looks like like an industrial part of town, the backstage area of Disneyland. Before they put you in the van, did they put like a black hood over no. you? No, <laughs> yeah, like, a, like you're going to visit Osama bin Laden or some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, no. It's, uh, no, you just drive. They just let you through a gate. There's nothing. There's no, uh, there's no like a fear of you sneaking back. You know what I mean? All right, fine. So we go in, uh, they walk us in through a room, we sit down, they've got the room decked out with uh, the toys and merchandise and uh, foods and drinks sort of arrayed around the perimeter of the room, uh, look but don't touch kind of situation, and uh, a bunch of tables, and then they had uh, you know, toy designers come in and talk about the concept of the toys being, as we discussed already, representative of what you would find if you were in the galaxy. And same with the food. Food is playing a part. So as you know, if you've read any of the stories, you don't eat chicken. You eat Tip Yip, which is the little flightless bird from Endor who hangs around with the, <laughs> uh, the Ewoks. I, 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 I love that 
it's not chicken. It's the space chicken that was space chicken, yeah. That, that was played by a chicken in the film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's Tip Yip. Tip Yip, which I was like, this is a weird name. Oh, it's from Endor, so it's Ewok language. So that's why it has that kind of dumb sounding name. But, uh, you know, then they have uh, Ronto, which is uh, some sort of a, like a big uh, dinosaur. Is actually one of the creatures that was added to the special edition of the original movie. Jawas riding that thing through uh, what does, Moss Eisley. What does CGI food taste like, Anthony? Well, it tastes like CGI chicken. <laughs> no, it's a... Uh, Ronto is a, like a barbecued pork, kind of like a roasted pork. I guess it could be a roasted beef too. I don't know anybody could. So, so what are they going to have like in the menu? Is it going to say Ronto then in brackets like it's, yeah. it's beef? Because I could just imagine the people working there. It's just like, hey, uh, what's Kadu? It's pork, right? It's pork. Like it, it's just, yeah. I think after I, the third I day, imagine, people are going to break. I imagine they'll say, because people have allergies and shit like that. So you've got to probably be upfront about what kind of animal or vegetable you're consuming. Uh, I break out in a rash when I have my knock. I've got to tell you, Anthony. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very uh, embarrassing. I know. you got to keep that EpiPen handy. Hey, uh, did you know that the, the photo of uh, when you saw all the merch, there, there was a bit mm-hmm. of buzz around. There's, there's a, a T-shirt with Ray on it. Mm-hmm. And there's... Many people in the fandom are predicting that in episode nine, Ray will have a rough saber. Like she would have put the uh, Skywalker saber back together, but because it got broken, it will be like a blue version of Kylo Ren's as far as the blade being jagged. And that the, the T-shirt on your article, it, there was there was intense debate on Twitter if the jaggedness around Ray's saber in that picture is just to denote it's a lightsaber and it's glowing or it's a spoiler from episode nine. Hmm. Well, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know the answer to that. You know, um, I think that's a neat idea. Hmm. Um, this is the child's, the child's shirt that you're talking about, right? Yeah, Ray's sort of like in a like a prepared to fight stance, and uh, it's like a it's like a one color screen print, like a like a coloring book sort of outline picture sort of thing. Yeah, it's got a little. Fi- I'm looking at. I called it up now. Got a little fire around it. A little fuzz. It could be either. I think. I actually think it's it's just denoting it's a, a light up saber than rather than they've slipped out uh, some episode nine art. Mm. Yeah, but most lightsabers don't look like that. I don't know. It's not so ragged that you'd be like, oh, though, that's definitely what she's got. But maybe, maybe mm. I hadn't heard that, but. Uh... Yeah. I, I think I, I've I've coined a phrase, Anthony. Mm-hmm. It's called a happenstance spoiler, where something does show something from a future film, but it's just by chance. For instance, there was a I think a car commercial before the Force Awakens came out that showed. Oh yeah, yeah, I the, remember that. Yeah, the, the the girl dressed as Ray had the lightsaber. And I remember before the film came out, people were going, is that a spoiler? Does she get the lightsaber? 
And I always thought it was just like she also uses the force. Yeah. In that, do you reckon that was a spoiler, or is that a happenstance uh, spoiler? I do know that there was a ton of concern about whether they should do that, and they decided, yeah, better to go with it because they wanted kids to know that yeah, Ray is a powerful person in this. So, um, you know that that commercial was directed by Sean Levy, the guy who did the. Uh, uh, United Museum films and uh, ah. uh, this is where I leave you. A lot of great comedies and he, um, yeah, he directed that. You know, a lot of lot a lot of people don't know. Like film directors in between movies often direct commercials too, mm-hmm. and they don't have a credit or anything. And a lot of times they don't necessarily want a credit. <laughs> you know, just, they're you know they're doing it for the paycheck. He's also made all. a um, a lot of great jeans over the years as well. Levi, well, it's L-E-V-Y, so <laughs> that joke does not fly. Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, the judges have ruled against that joke. Sorry. I, I think even if it was felt the same, that joke would not fly just quietly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I remember him telling me there was a lot of like, oh, are we going to actually do this and show that she has the force? And they decided to go with it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, we've stumbled upon a... Uh, a little bit of a Star Wars factoid there, Anthony. Mm-hmm. So no one saw that coming, including myself. But that's why you are just that's 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 the the magic of happenstance spoilers. See this this phrase I've coined is already bringing in the uh, the information. I'm very happy now. Tell me about how you got brought into the land. Uh, so we go into a working area. Like a planning room, like a like you know, on construction sites they have these little trailers and things, and that's where the, you know, supervisors and the foremen get together and they walk through the morning's plan and they come out. And, it's where Tony Soprano's thugs go in to hassle someone about. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so we go in there and uh, you know we get a little lecture about safety, and I'm thinking, oh come on. How bad is it going to be, you know? Uh, and they were like, they were all adamant you had to wear boots and uh, you had to wear a hard hat, orange vest. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to, we're just going to be walking around this place feeling a little silly, but this, these are the rules, right? Until it's finished being built. Actually, it was mud. It was a lot of loose rock and uneven territory, uneven turf. Like, uh, all of the buildings were constructed. The exteriors were done for the most part, but not maybe finished being dressed, but completed. The insides uh, were still being worked on. Workers were going in and out, you know, like I said, drilling, hammering, putting up walls. Uh, and the they were laying pavement around the uh, laying stones around the Millennium Falcon. And we were walking through mud and mounds of dirt. And there were tractors rolling around. Swinging their, you know, uh, there were loaders, you know, forklifts and things swinging their payloads around. And you actually had to be careful. We had to signal for a couple things, machines to stop so we could walk by like, oh, yeah, damn, we are actually in a construction zone. This isn't just like, oh, it's all finished, but you've got to wear a hard hat. No, I'm wearing a hard hat because uh, somebody three stories up might uh, accidentally drop a screwdriver off of this uh, spire. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
you know, it was actually pretty gnarly. And, uh, the, you know, the most finished thing I saw was the interior of the, uh, the Millennium Falcon ride, um, the line going inside to the flight deck and all that. Um, that was for the most part done being built. They had cardboard down the carpet because that's the final carpet. They don't want work boots tromping it up, you know, but the most of it outside was pretty raw. And I was like, oh my God, they're not going to be done time for the start of summer. And then, of course, two weeks later, they say, uh, <laughs> we're opening, you know, was it May 31st? So. Yeah. Star Wars Celebration is just around the corner, and to celebrate, Steel Wars has three new themed t shirts. The Jump Mall t shirt is a special double tribute to Chicago's best known athlete and Episode 1's best known Sith apprentice. Just do it. All the new prints are available in limited numbers in long sleeve and hooded versions. Perfect for that crispy Chicago weather. And if you are going to Chicago, save on shipping and use coupon code MEETUP to get rid of the shipping price and we can just meet up at the convention and I'll give you the t-shirts there. And whether you're going or not, if you pre-book before April 8th, you will get 10% off your order. The link to the new prints is in this episode's show notes. So even if you just want to check out what new prints are coming out, click that link and let's get on with the show. Have you ever seen there's a YouTube video on YouTube where all the best YouTube videos are, by the way. Mm-hmm. And it's YouTube covered that, huh? Yeah, they it's of Disneyland before it first opened. It's like the last month and it's narrated by, I think, two old Imagineers. And like a week before it was going to open, it it was like, there's no way this could open. It's like it was so like, I don't know what they did in those last three days, but they, they made magic. So, you know what I think it is? I think it's like, have you ever done a puzzle? I have a actually. Jigsaw puzzle. Hmm. Uh, you're one of those thousand piecers and you're like starting out and you're like, oh, it takes forever to build up just the, 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 the edges. Right. And then you're like doing little sections here and there. You're like, oh, how are we ever going to get this done? And then like the more you do, the faster it goes. So those last few, you know, sections like come together really quickly. I think that's kind of how it is. Yeah. Right. And, and you, your you, speed increases exponentially. And- so. And you guys weren't allowed to take any photos or have your phones or anything like that, yeah? Um, we actually had to leave our phones in bags at the bus, the van, because uh, they didn't want to risk that. So, no, no, we didn't take any photos. Interesting. It's a t- Except for photographic memory. Excellent. Now, <laughs> what's it like... Like we've seen like the drone footage, we've seen photos and, 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 you know, you, you say it's, it's pretty under construction, but like to walk this, the muddy, the now muddy streets of Batu, how, uh, like were you shocked by the immersiveness or did all the construction sort of wash? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That out. 
Yeah, I mean that. It. It. I. I, I couldn't say like I felt uh, immersed in Star Wars because it was like walking across some like two by fours, you know, to get over a, a pit <laughs> road and a bunch of you know workers sitting there eating their lunches, saying hey, and you know plumbers going into the bathrooms and. Tracy Canobio from Lucasfilm going, they're called refreshers in the Star Wars universe, not restrooms. <laughs> refreshers. Show me the refresher. Well, well, that, I love that. that that's There's pretty immersive. Word. It's a different word for chicken and a uh, different word for bathroom. It's like, it was in an old Steve Martin joke. He's learning French. He's like, it's like the French have a different word for everything. <laughs> so, um, but I did feel, I was impressed that it, uh, the way they built the structures, the, the mountains and spires and forests and things is that it really does shut out all the stuff you might see at the edge. Like you don't see any Ferris wheel from California adventure and all that's blocked out. They took into account like the human perspective and you do feel like you're in, it did kind of feel like being on the set of a movie a little bit, except that there was nowhere for the cameras and no backstage, mm. you know, maybe did it feel like you weren't next to Disneyland at least? No, I didn't feel like Disneyland at all. Okay. The actual size of the land, like 14 acres. It's sort of hard to visualize how big that is. Um, Yeah, and a lot of it's interior as well because there's a – the rise of the resistance goes back inside quite a bit and there are some pretty big rooms associated with that. And uh, So, yeah, there's – like, like, you've, you know. like you've got the A-wing and the X-wing and that's sort of, as far as what I've read from your stuff, you know, the resistance is sort of hiding out in the forest. How, how far is the forest from like the Millennium Falcon? Oh, uh, you know, maybe like uh, with no crowd, like five minute walk. Okay. So about 45 minute walk. Five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we're with people <laughs> wiggling around. Yeah. Um, no, it's like you walk out and you go through, I think uh, we went walk through the marketplace. So you go through the market and then there's like a sitting around area with like a old monument, like a, like a, some sort of cenotaph and then some trees and probably they'll stick some like, I don't know, I'm guessing, I don't know if they're gonna have some food stuff there or have some characters walking around and. And, and some trees and sitting areas and things like that. And then, you know, some the, a lot of the vegetation was not yet in. Again, that's sort of like the, almost the last thing because you're going to be – you have tractors and machines driving through. So you put that and the paving stones in last. But the um, – you know, it's not like – it's not like, oh, there actually is off far in the distance. It's, you know, you got to use your imagination a little bit. It's uh, yeah, fairly close. Now, um, what, what, what did you see of the rides? Which one did you go? Which one did you check out first? Uh, the Millennium Falcon, and, and seeing the Falcon up close is really impressive. That's the detail on that is great, and I really enjoyed seeing that. You know, they go inside, and they, you see some of the detail, the things that are supposed to enchant you while you're waiting. Uh, little things you could scan with your phone and use the Play Disney Parks app to get some information about the the ride and the experience and well, the, you, the world that you're in. You could scan it with a phone if you're allowed to have one. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought is I, I thought for sure we'd be showing up, you know, and like 
oh, surprise, it's all ready and you can you can ride <laughs> on things. But no, it's uh, not at all what it was like. <laughs> So what did you did you get to go I guess into the the, the Millennium Falcon lounge room and the cockpit or did I what did you get to go into the Millennium Falcon like the lounge oh. room and the and the cockpit and stuff Yeah the uh, you know that you go down a little like just like getting on an airplane you go through that little jetway after you get your spiel from the uh, Honda Onaka animatronic and then they do this cool thing where um, you know, you've just walked around the Millennium Falcon. Like, the line takes you behind it, underneath the thrusters. Then you go inside. You see some shipping materials, like, uh, you know, crates and weapons and things like that that Hondo's running. And then uh, you you go up a level, and you think there are these little wedge-shaped windows that look out on the uh, on the satellite dish, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, wow, people are going to be just mobbed around these little windows taking pictures. Uh, and then you round a corner, and it's just a full bank of picture windows, just clear glass for a couple hundred feet, curving all, along the side of this mountain. Like, you just get a full eye uh, view of the a, a, Millennium Falcon. A couple hundred feet? Yeah, I'm not good with distance. Maybe 100 feet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe 100 feet. Maybe more. It was a big, long – I mean, it's a long line. But, like, you're – yeah – I don't know. What do you have in Australia? Meters? Yeah, we're into meters, mate. It's about sounds about thirty meters to me, hundred feet. Yeah, let's say thirty meters, whatever those are. We don't have that in America. <laughs> and and you know what? They don't have it in the galaxy far, far away either. So there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've used. They, they meter- call it tip-yip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure meters has made its way into a Star Wars book. Um, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so they, uh, they use parsecs, I'm afraid. So when you're looking at that window, <laughs> you can see the Falcon, and then everyone oh, yeah. else playing in the park. Yeah, right. So you see all those people walking around. You get like a view, a little bird's eye view of the park. See that that compared to other lines in Disneyland. I know the Millennium Falcon's there, and you know that's very enchanting. But just being able mm-hmm. to watch people walk around, like while I wait, is I like the idea of that rather than like at Space Mountain, you're just sort of in this very 70s-esque chain linked like line. I, like being able to watch, like look down on people and see what they're doing and stuff, that that, 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 that seems entertaining to me. It is a little bit like that line though. You know, you go up and in and then, you know, sort of a low grade rise and then zigzag around and inside like but it's i think they have more material there meant to entertain you but anyway uh you know one of the things i was thinking was well where do you uh, how do they make it seem like you've gone up into the falcon is there like is there going to be like some sort of a port connecting to the falcon Uh, you know you're meant to think that you're walking through that but no there's nothing engaged with the falcon like that out in the out in the exterior but when you're inside talking to hondo he's got these windows behind him. You can see the windows from the exterior, but you kind of lose your perspective as you're zigzagging around inside this, whatever, this, uh, this hangar. And so you're sitting there watching the animatronic and behind him are these windows, but they're not actually the windows on the exterior. They're screens and they don't show the crowd. They just show the sky, some of the rock, or I actually think they, they show like, uh, 
Yeah, something like maybe like a, one of the walls, one of the you know mount, cliff sides or something. And you hear this rumbling from behind you. And then you see the Falcon rise up on these screens like it's coming in and landing at some sort of interior port. Ah. Then you get in. You take off. You go on your adventure. I mean, and they also, you've probably read, you, you get to hang out in that chess room where they give you a number, your flight flight team number five or whatever. And, uh, and then they just call you up. Flight team number five, you're up. And in the meantime, you have like a certain amount of time where you just wander around the chess room taking pictures and touching stuff. You know, they figured people were going to want to hang out in this room. Wealthy. Which is a really smart impulse, mm-hmm. right? And they figure better to give you a little time there to decompress rather than just have people slowing down the line. So you go in, you're, you go on the ride. Uh, as you know, there's like a little choose-your-own-adventure. The, the ride goes a different way depending on how well the team performs. And then you land, and then you go down through some tunnel. And I suspect that tells you they're moving the Falcon back out front. So by the time you zigzag down through this tunnel, it takes a while to get back outside. The Falcon is parked back outside where you left it. Of course, it never left, but the illusion, the make-believe part of it is uh, it rose up, it landed inside, you took off and landed it back right where it is. Interesting. Now, how do they, like, how many cockpits are there? Uh, I didn't see on that one, but they rotate. There's a mechanism inside that'll change out the cockpits so okay so you always go down the same tunnel but the cockpit sort the of same tunnel but then you get in and it, it, it like you know like a like, like a, a six shooter yeah like gun it, the chamber right. moves you know interesting okay and and so did you get to go down into the cockpit or yeah we did go into the cockpit and poke around and they lighten it up for you the screen or anything like that uh the screen was lit up but it wasn't taken off or they didn't do the ride Hmm. All right. And uh, what about, what did you see of the, the rise of the resistance? So that one is under way more, it's way less complete than the Falcon. Uh, so we saw the line and sort of set up how you're going through this old uh, Pueblo Indian style structure and temple that's carved into the rock that the um, resistance has uh converted into their headquarters. I got to say, Indiana Jones would not be happy with the resistance or the rebellion and the way they hijack ancient sites and just bore through walls, (laughs) you know, string their cables and set up their screens. Like it's not, uh, they're not really preserving the ancient architecture very well. So we went through that and then, you know, we got, you, we went through the point where you will see a holograph of uh, BB-8 will project a holograph of Ray, played by Daisy Ridley, Ridley, telling you something about your mission. Then uh, you, uh, you know, you go outside. You get a, aboard Nine Nubs uh, shuttle. Nice. And uh, you see Poe Dameron's black and orange X-wing parked nearby. As you get in, the doors close. Then you see screens on the exterior, and Oscar Isaac comes out. You just missed Oscar Isaac. You see. Oh. And he's like, all right, I'm going to fly. I'm going to guide you out as we head up into the atmosphere. He'll say something. We didn't actually watch the video. And then uh, you take off. You get captured. And uh, you end up on a First Order Star Destroyer. And then you're still not in a cart. You're still not, like, rolling on a ride. 
you go in, you know, that the images, you see the concept art of the stormtroopers all lined up in this big hangar bay. Mm-hmm. That's real. They really built that. So um, it's huge. And I think they'll use a little force perspective to make it seem even bigger, meaning the uh, rows of stormtroopers may be a little smaller than you may, your eye may be perceiving them as farther away. And that's part of the illusion. But still, it's a giant, it's a giant room. And uh, big auditorium, basketball court kind of gymnasium room. And uh, it's going to have a giant screen. You're going to see space out there. You're going to see the uh, Star Destroyers floating around. Then you're going to get put into an interrogation room. I'm not sure what happens after that. But you get busted out, and that's where the ride begins. Uh, so did you see the uh, like the ADATs and stuff? No, I didn't see those. That that part was still under construction. Uh, what what do you think of like the whole Batu and and Black Spire and you know the resistance are there? It's set between episode eight and nine. Are we going to get any any hints of this place in episode nine? You reckon? I'll bet you. I don't know for sure, but I would guess something you know we see a tie echelon which is a new version of the tie fighter and i would guess that that at some point turns up in episode nine make smart money tells you that and and you got to see that yeah yes i saw that yeah and and it's sort of like a like a shuttle like a multi-person sort of uh like TIE fighter, sort of like, like Krennic shuttle. It's like a with TIE Darth fighter with the Kylo Ren shuttle in the middle. Yeah, got you. But like the curved wings of the TIE advanced X1 that uh, uh, Darth Vader piloted. Okay, but it fits a, it, it, it fits a, like a, a bunch of people. Yeah, you could take it on a good bachelor party. Nice. I'd love to go on a bachelor party to Batu. Yeah. That, that is very okay. good. So, uh, yeah. So, do you think it will play into the story, or do you think it might just be like an odd Mandel mention? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think you're probably going to see it flying around, right? Oh, not so much the Tie Fighter, but just that whole the Black Spire and and Batu. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're going to see it. I mean, they're certainly investing a lot of money in it. So maybe they were like, hey, <laughs> give us a shout out, give us a scene. Uh, but um, but also maybe not. I, I don't know how much. I don't think a whole lot of it will be set there in any case. Yeah. I, 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 if it were, I, I'd, I'd love to see um, the behind the scenes footage of them telling JJ that oh, you got to work in this theme park for us. That'd he might be, be into that though. You know, like he's you know, a team player and he uh, likes theme parks. So who knows? I doubt, as long as it's organic, you know, it's not like Jesus trying to work. I don't know. Uh, Subway sandwiches into a movie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of the things that you had in the merch part was where is this? Thing. In the merch section, you've got at Black Spire Outfitters, you can get your Jedi or Sith cloaks and uh-huh. the latest in scavenger wear. Now, as far as I know, you can't cosplay in Disneyland unless it's a special event. Are they going to, like, can you buy this stuff and then you're allowed to wear it around the park? No, uh, we got some conflicting information about that. They said they're going to stand by the current rules. 
so little kids could be in costume, but adults can't. A lot of that is to maintain, uh, just so people don't think that guests work at the park. Oh, yeah, because that was totally in my head as like uh, just sneaking a Stormtrooper outfit, get into it, and then do what I want, essentially. Like just go backstage and do whatever. That would be, uh, I would be into that. But so they, so you can buy a Jedi cloak there, you just can't wear it. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. I wonder how they're going to, how do you even, police that I, I i don't know i i've never seen anybody get busted for that so yeah. you know if you're after bonus steel wars episodes and also want to support the podcast in a small financial way please consider checking out the steel wars patreon feed for just three dollars a month you get at least one bonus episode a week But in most cases, like in the past month, you get two, including the From a Certain Point of View, namely mine, News and Opinion show, the Listener Q&A, and also just dropping is a new hour plus episode of Star Wars Year by Podcast, Hawes Burkhart and my Star Wars History Podcast, where we go through the book, Star Wars Year by Year. All the bonus content goes directly to your pod app of choice, just like a regular podcast podcast and downloads immediately and along with our entire back catalog of episodes and bonus shows you get the new shows without annoying interruptions in the middle of the show like this one ironic and your hard-earned money goes towards supporting the ongoing production of the steel wars podcast and now is a super good time to sign up because over star wars celebration you'll be getting a ton of steel wars after dark patreon only blog pods adding to the full 24-hour attending celebration experience i cannot wait Thank you to all our patrons that support the show. And if you want to check it out yourself, go to patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. The link is in the show notes. Now, um, I, I put it out there on our Patreon. Uh, if anyone had a, uh, a, a question about Batu and, and Galaxy's Edge. So I'll, I'll run through these. Uh, Michael Nip asks, uh, was there any mention of storylines with live characters playing them out intermingled with the guests, kind of like Westworld? Um, I th- they may end up doing a little bit of that, but they didn't talk. They didn't show any of that off. And I, don't, I think that's more a part of the rides. And, you know, all of the people serving the food are kind of playing a part. So, you know. Well, I had read that the the staff was sort of told, this was in your article, I'm sure, that um, they could come up with their own little backstories about where they are, sort of how they got there in the galaxy and all that sort of stuff. Yes, exactly. Okay. Most of our other questions actually are about something that they seemingly did not answer, and this is quite telling. And, and that's about crowd control. Like I, I am, like it. It sounds amazing. the The park sounds great, but I am, like I, I kind of feel like it's too good, and so 
it'll be like just too hard to enjoy with all the people there sort of thing. Uh, and, and they, you know, to, to my knowledge, they sort of didn't answer any like crowd control type questions. No, they didn't. And then later is when they announced the uh, opening dates, it was like, we are going to have reservations for the park, which I think sounds super smart and totally reasonable. Yeah, but even like like the cantina there, uh, it's it's pretty small there. Like the bar, yeah. What do you mean it's small? You lost me there. Like the actual like, there's a bar there, like a like a bar, like a cantina. Yeah, there's a cantina. Yeah, but and it, it's it's not that big from what I've heard. No, it's you know it's not huge, but. Uh, no, overcrowding will be a problem, but that's why I think they should stick with the reservations for a while because you get too many people in there and it's not fun. I'd rather, I don't know if I speak for everybody, I would rather be told you can't come for a few months because we're booked up on reservations and know that when I do finally get there, I'm going to actually be able to see a droid and not just see a thousand people crowded around me. Yeah, well, you know, there's that, that picture of the the publicity photo the main one they use or the yeah that's pretty comical right so and, <laughs> and you know people have photoshopped stuff in the, the the most comical thing about that and I counted there's like twenty people including the stormtroopers in the background and so if someone can take a, a Millennium Falcon photo once it opens with twenty people in it might I'll give you a reward I don't know what it is because I don't really think it's it's possible but the most unrealistic thing about that picture is the little girl is dragging the father towards the Millennium Falcon yeah right <laughs> I don't think that's a fair representation of what's going to go down uh, with who's yeah. going to dra- drag who alright a few more uh, patron questions before we wrap up um, John Nesswander wants to know does the park feel sized for a one-day visit or does it feel like it will take more than one day to do everything obviously line times are a huge factor but i was initially surprised that there were only two rides after more thought i guessed between those ride lines plus a few hours soaking up the atmosphere we're looking at a pretty full day i think yes you are looking at a pretty full day uh even though it's just two rides You've got the droid builder, the lightsaber builder, the food. You can go around scanning droids and researching, decoding messages and, you know, taking pictures by the X-Wing and the A-Wing and the TIE Echelon. There's, uh, you know, a whole ton you're going to be able to do. So um, I think, you I think it, you know, will you need um, more than one day? Yeah, if you want to do everything. But it's like Grand Theft Auto. Who does everything? Who finds every Easter egg? Like, I think there's a lot there, but I think you'll, I think you'll be fine with one day. Okay. Was there any mention of, like, fast passes? They're going to use that system in there? or? Yeah, there will be fast passes on the rides. Okay. You know, they had designated different start points for the fast pass. Gotcha. And just, like, if you're one of those people that, I just can't be bothered with the lines and going on the rides. Like, is there like tons of stuff just to walk around and, and, and soak up that way? Yeah. You just hang out and enjoy the atmosphere. Totally. 
Okay. Uh, Hawes Burkhart, who we did the solo reaction with at uh, the Scum and Villainy uh, last year, he wants to know, from the Blue Harvest podcast, of course, he wants to know, was there any information about how handicapped park attendees will access the rides and other stuff at the park? Uh, I didn't see many steps. Uh, I don't know if that's what he means, Almost everything is a ramp. I, I think most things are a little bit. There actually, there are steps like in the town square. But there are also ramps that go up. So I think that they are definitely thinking about all that. And also, hey, man, one benefit is you got to figure they're building for droids, too. So if R2-D2 can get up there, I think you can get up in your wheelchair or your device. So a lot of it is already built. It's already wheel friendly. The uh, yeah, no Jabba's palace type stair uh, incidences there. No, there there was early rumors that there was going to be droids just going around the park that were kind of maybe not remote, but actually kind of just knew what they were doing. Did you hear anything about that? Yeah, they're going to be droids just rolling around, hanging out, and are they scan them? Are they, rem- to are they remote controlled or are they sort of like Zumbas? Or- I don't think they're like Zumbas. I think they're probably remote controlled. I think somebody's probably keeping an eye on them. Man, how do you get a job doing that? Uh, ask Daniel Kennedy. <laughs> I don't know if he's that <laughs> if he's that connected at the Disney parks, but uh... well, he's super connected. He works for Lucasfilm and crossed paths <laughs> with him a bunch of times. But like we were talking, he was like, "Oh yeah, I remember when your kids met." Came up to Lucasfilm. I, I, I took a trip up to San Francisco. I was there in another story. Thought I would sl- stop by and say hello to my friends at Lucasfilm. A little professional, friendly visit. You know, chit-chat a little about work. And then maybe just see the facilities. And, you know, meet and greet each other. And uh, they said, you bring your wife and kids. And uh, Chopper from Rebels rolled out. Was rolling around, extended his little clipper hand. And got a nice picture of my son. You know, just totally blown away by this droid beeping and talking to him and touching him and that he could touch, you know. And the dude, there was a dude I noticed standing off on the side in the lobby, just hands behind his back. He had the controller. He was piloting this thing from behind his back. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, to keep the remote control hidden, to maintain the illusion. And this chopper was rolling around doing tricks and talking to the kids and they had no idea that there was somebody, you know, 10, 15 feet away who was controlling it. And I only knew because I, you know, because uh, I spotted it. I was, because I was looking for it. Because you you're, you're a journalist. Well, I was like, yeah, well, who is this thing? Is this thing alive? But, uh, but when I say ask him, I mean it. Like, he, he actually controls a droid, so. He's a good man. I believe he works in events. He does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joshua Chapman would like to know, after the articles, there have been lots of jokes and mock-ups of the Falcon surrounded by crowds and the like. Does it look like the park has a particular way of managing crowds to keep the illusion of Star Wars world in certain places? Perhaps a cap on people in certain places, even the large open-air ones. They're going to have to manage people in some way. I, so they're, they're, gonna... they're already doing the reservations thing, and I think, yes... Without question, uh, you know, so, and I think they do this in the park already. Like, you know, if it gets really crowded on certain holidays, uh, they say that's it. They block things off. That's too much. But I, this is this is where they're going to have to, like, I, I know they're going to have to come up rules with me. 
once I get a seat in that bar, I'm not getting up. That's it. <laughs> like I'm staying in the Star Wars bar and like that's um, – I'm going to be – that's it. That's my right. So I, that's what I'm worried about that like that bar, people are just going to go in and it's like once you get a seat there, it's like I'm not I'm not getting up. They need maybe a reservation – like an hour, they need a fast pass for the seats. I do believe uh, you're right. They are going to have some challenges with all that. No yeah. question. And then our final question was from Brittany Brown down in San Diego. And it, again, it's the same question. <laughs> how do you, how does he think Disney will manage crowds? Also, how does, oh, okay. How do you feel about the park opening in phases? Uh, I was like, oh, well, that's not great. But I also think, uh, I don't know if this is part of the intent or not, but, oh, like in this case, yeah, you open it in phases. That also is a form of crowd control, isn't it? Because mm. I've heard from quite a few people who go, okay, I'll wait till the whole thing is open. And that at least, uh... It kind of stretches out that rush to go. So for the people who actually have to just see it at the start, okay. And then the rest of the people will go, okay, it's, I have actually extra whatever it is, nine months or something that I can wait and I'll go later. And so um, I think it, 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 I don't again, I don't know if this is intent or whether just well that ride's not finished, but they it does uh, it does manage to I think serve as a, a, a kind of crowd control. Yeah. Now, um, I guess we, you know, we normally at the end of these podcasts, we ask people what they're most excited for in Star Wars. But for this one, Anthony, what are you most excited to go check out in Galaxy's Edge once it's, it's fully operational? I want to try that blue milk, man. <laughs> I want that. <sighs> That we didn't get to taste that, and I want to try that. And I love that the uh, Scott Trowbridge is like the I guess like the creative director of the whole. He's like the, the 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 head of the Galaxy's Edge Imagineering development. He said, you know, we did we thought about this a lot. Everybody wants a blue milk, but do they? Yeah, right. Want, but do they want to drink a tall glass of milk in the middle of August in a swamp in Florida or? Uh, Scorching Anaheim in Southern California. Not so sure. Not so sure they want that. So it's actually kind of a, a non-dairy smoothie that's uh, made out of like vegetable dairy, so like a almond milk or like a rice milk, sweetened. Add some flavors to it, like a berry flavor and a melon flavor. So it's not just a blueberry milkshake, but it's like. A little bit exotic, but uh, but but sweet and refreshing rather than. Whew, now I've got uh, gastrointestinal problems from that huge uh, <laughs> that huge pint of milk that I just guzzled. So, uh, but I'm interested to try that, and I, I'm also uh, curious if it, anything can be mixed with it. You know, like the galactic version of a white Russian. Mm -hmm. You know, careful, man. There's a beverage here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the dude. Uh, oh, just 
I'm interested before I let you go, Anthony. The the article, you know, there was a big rollout uh, at, at at midnight Eastern time uh, for this a couple of weeks ago, and and it wasn't an exclusive Star Wars article like you know your EW movie ones are, but compared to a movie or maybe you know a cartoon, you know, article, what was the interest like, like with with clicks, with the crowd, with, with the audience? Oh, pretty huge interest. You know, I'd say pretty huge. Is it is it is it film level interest? Uh, you know, yeah. Re- res- oh, film level interest. Mm-hmm. Wow. Pretty high. Well, that is uh, that 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 is like good, but uh, I have to say I'm I'm surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was pretty. It was like, was it a little bit less? Maybe, but. Uh, not by much. Hmm. Uh, interest was pretty intense. Well, that's Star Wars for you, man. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Anthony, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I know uh, all the listeners enjoy it, and I certainly do. So thank you so much. And... I guess how, how long until I'm uh, texting you to come back on the show when you've got a uh, a sweet uh, cover story coming up, Bresnikan? Uh, we'll probably want to talk around celebration or something. I mean, I, when we have a cover story, that's going to be a little while, but uh, there'll be plenty more to talk about probably in another month. Nice, and and you're heading over to celebration, of course. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Okay. Very much look forward to uh, seeing you out there, buddy. And where can the good people of the internet track down your endeavors? They can see me on Twitter at Bresnikan and uh, over at EW.com. What about your radio show? That's on Sirius XM. It's called Behind the Scenes. Uh, airs on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. And then repeats a couple times throughout the week. Okay, what channel is that on? Sirius uh, Channel 105. It's the EW channel. Excellent. Bresnikan. He's, he, he has become a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's the latest cut from uh, Max Rebo. That would be the best. Well, Anthony, thanks so much for your time, man. I so appreciate it. My pleasure. Always good to chat with you. And may that force be with you. You too. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that really fun chat with our buddy, Anthony Bresnikan, the Brez, the bestest of dudes. And if you enjoyed this episode, let the Bresnikan know on Twitter at Bresnikan. And while you're at it, let your followers know as well. Pod it forward. A little vouch for a podcast can go a long way for getting us new listeners. And that's what keeps independently produced podcasts like Steel Wars living and breathing. I am so excited about Star Wars Celebration. So very excited. Our live show is sold out. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't find anywhere a bit bigger. We've got a decent-sized venue, mind you, but uh, yeah, I would have would have liked to have um, 
fit in a few more people. I know um, some people that weren't on the uh, Patreon missed out, but we did what we could. We did what we could. What you don't want to miss out on, sweet segue, is our three new prints uh, made especially to celebrate celebration. We have got uh, the Steel Wars May That Force Be With You logo t-shirt in hopefully episode nine colored blue. Uh, We have got the Jump Mall combining uh, a bit of Chicago basketball imagery with the Sith Apprentice himself from episode one and one I hope makes a lot of sense come Star Wars Celebration that we get to see the man himself. It is the Rick McCullum Social Club. I am very proud of that one. And dear God, I've never seen Rick McCullum in real life. So I hope he'll be at that Star Wars Episode One panel. I also hope, maybe more than anything, that I I spot him late one night and I get a Rick McCullum story. That would be so cool. But those t-shirts are up for pre-order now. You save uh, a couple bucks on the pre-order if you order before the Monday before celebration. And if you are going to celebration, just put the coupon code MEETUP in the uh, coupon code thing and that will get rid of the shipping and I'll just bring your t-shirts to Chicago and uh, we can meet up somewhere through the con it's, it's not hard and I'll, uh, I'll give you your package so just a good way to uh, get shipping out of the way and then you'll also have your uh, tees to wear at Chicago which is I it is thrilling to see people wear uh, the t-shirts. I, I love making up the prints and the, the parody prints and all that. And it's it's cool when I, I see people rocking them. It's a, it's a real treat. I'm going to leave it there so I can get this up. And then I've got to get uh, two Patreon shows up in the next 24 hours. A, uh, a new Q&A and a new Star Wars Year by podcast with Horst Burkhart both going up. So uh, I think that's almost two hours of extra listening combined for uh, patrons in in the next day. So, uh, gotta love that content, you guys. And thanks so much for all your support of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As I say all the time, it's, it's one of my life's true pleasures to get to make it for you. Thanks again to Entertainment Weekly's Anthony Bresnikan. You're the best dude. And may that force be with you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.